Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. It's week 14, the regional semifinal round. This is going to be a lot of fun. We've got six teams left. We're going to dive all into it. But want to say that this show is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. Hey, Brian, how's it going? It's going well. You know, uh, I'm excited to be uh, for our teams to still be alive. You know, some of our teams still be alive at this point in the season, and um, they're going to be some good ones, some rematches too from Ab- last year's absolutely. games. Absolutely, I mean that that was the thing I was thinking about. It's it's rematch weekend, uh, especially at the the Class Five A level where you've got Coronado going up against Colleyville Heritage. And Monterey dealing with Denton Ryan in, in both interesting matchups. And I think we'll just dive into um, our highest performing team so far. Actually has the record advantage this year. It's Coronado 12-0 versus Colleyville Heritage 11-1 at Abilene Christian University's Wildcat Stadium. And, and what a game this was last year because the Mustangs fell into a 21-3 hole, kind of battled back and ended up losing 43-34, 43-34 with a uh, late Heritage field goal to, to get them back up above two possessions again. So you know that Coronado and under the leadership of Seth Parr, they definitely have an axe to grind in this one. Definitely. Uh, you know, last year when they were in this position, um, I thought that Coronado was playing some of its best game. And I think that, that, I think that this year too. I think right now Coronado is a team to beat. Uh, this is going to be a very tough game for them, though, at Colleyville Heritage. Um I expect kind of a maybe towards the end this turning into a, potentially a shootout. <laughs> That's right. I mean, this is a very good Colleyville Heritage team. They're on a 10-game – they're actually on an 11-game winning streak. They they lost their very first game to Alito. I think everyone in the state knows how good Alito is. I mean, this is like a, a team that's won five state championships since the turn of the decade. Uh, I mean, it is a phenomenal team, the defending uh, 5A Division II champion. That's who Heritage lost to, Coronado. Probably doesn't have the, the same resume, but we know that they're a good football team. And, and really, this is kind of like we talked about last week, these Lubbock teams uh, taking the banner uh, to other parts of the state. This is uh, Metroplex versus uh, Lubbock weekend, and, and we know how historically this goes. But there are a lot of things to like about this Coronado football team, especially on offense, especially with Quay Gray, who's getting close to his 4,000-yard mark that he hit last season. I think he needed like 400 yards in this game. So probably needs another one to, to hit that. Um, but we, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really interesting week. You know, there was a, there was a popular tweet out there, uh, by our friend, Matt Diggs. And he, I saw that. He, lo- saw that. He, he loves the Metroplex and he said, you know, people in Lubbock are going to talk about, um, this perhaps, you know, becoming a regional championship game between two Lubbock teams, that is Coronado and Monterey. But let's, uh, let's, uh, tap the brakes on that. Let's not be serious about that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think that both these teams... Uh, especially Monterey might be playing an underdog card just because, you know, and, and Seth Parr said this at the beginning of the season, like they wanted to prove that this, these aren't some piddly West Texas teams that uh, that fall apart when they run into their first Metroplex team. We've heard him at the Lubbock IST coaches luncheon saying that the whole goal this year was to get back to the third round, praying that Heritage made it to the third round and then getting this game in. Um, so we, we've talked about a lot of things, but let's just dive into this matchup because you've got – a great offense versus a great offense, and uh, two defenses that hold opponents to not tiny numbers, but pretty modest little numbers. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of looking at some of the stats, and hopefully these are correct because these are some pretty big numbers uh, for Colleyville Heritage. Uh, Jagger Laroe, I believe, is one of uh, one of their quarterbacks who right now is sitting at 2,484 yards and uh, 28 touchdowns. Some big numbers, not quite gray numbers, but still. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and, and probably a little bit more of a diversified offense. 
Yeah. Uh, they, do they have any thousand yard running backs over there? A thousand yard. It kind of looks like they're airing it out or that they uh, opt for the the pass game more than anything. Mm-hmm. They do have one at 625. Uh, oh, I can't say this one. Quinty, Quinty Garner. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad. But they have uh, him and they also have, I believe his name is uh, Caleb Murphy. They're both sitting at over 600. So there's a little diversity there. But one of the big things that really stands out is, you know, they have 2,000-yard uh, wide receivers. Yeah. And Kevon Ahmed and uh, Cameron Brown, 1,440 for Ahmed and uh, 1,080 for Brown. Uh, those are some big numbers to be able to, you know, kind of spread it out across two different players at this at this level is just – it's good for any offensive program. And with that said, you know what's going to be the deciding factor in this game, probably interceptions with the rate these two teams throw the ball. And it was the difference last year. Or you can make an argument it was the difference because Gray threw two interceptions in what was a nine-point game, so a two-possession game. Two interceptions, they're your possessions. You capitalize on them. You beat Colleyville Heritage, and you, you head off to play Denton Ryan in the, in the fourth round and feel pretty good about yourselves. Um, the good news is that while Heritage has a very capable quarterback right now, they did lose Cam Roan from last year's team. He was a San Diego State signee. He is playing with the Aztecs now. Not anything, not anyone you have to worry about. A couple of those receivers that picked Coronado apart are gone too. But like you said, two 1,000-yard receivers. So not a lot changes, and this game probably just comes down to turnovers. Yeah, uh, I really like my interview last week with uh, Coach Hutch, and he said at this at this stage of the game every game comes down to your turnovers it's every game is determined on your turnovers at this point um, because obviously everybody that has gotten to this point in the season has 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 a good football team surrounding it so when you look at it, it those turnovers are real costly in the end by the way, I don't think I got the time in on this game. It's it's 1.30 p.m. at Wildcat Stadium at, at Abilene Christian University's campus. And, and you speaking, get that game. Uh, that's right. I'll be, I'll be at that one. I'll also be at the Lubbock Christian McKinney Christian game on Friday at McMurray in Abilene. So big college stadiums. It's always it's always fun to be a part of this uh, at this time of the year. Now, a game going on at a cool stadium, albeit a long way away, is Monterey 8-4 and four at Denton Ryan, which is 12-0. and 0. They flipped for a home-and-home, home, which I'm sure Coach Hutchinson felt really good about until on the other end of the line, oh, we won. So Monterey is going to pack it up. Uh, I think they're heading out on Friday overnighting in Denton and in, in playing yeah. this game. Uh, and, that's that's what he kind of mentioned at the end of the game, that uh, they're going to go a day early, do some walkthroughs, and then get some rest and come out fresh the next day, which is big. Because you're looking at an early kickoff, and that, that, that would be rough on you, uh, you know, especially after that drive. You know, I always mentioned throughout the season that I didn't think the travel affects you that much, but I think it does whenever you have a kickoff that early. Absolutely, and it's, it's like college style. You know, you're, you're leaving on Friday, even though you're not doing the walkthrough at the away team stadium. You're going to get a walkthrough in. You're going to spend the night in a hotel. You're going to get up. You're going to get breakfast. You probably rented out a ballroom in a hotel do what, another walkthrough before you bust over to the stadium. And then you play this game and trying to avenge a, a pretty big loss to, to Denton Ryan last year. It wasn't terrible. I think it was like 38-14. But Denton Ryan kind of buried him early. And let's be real about Denton Ryan last year. You know, Dallas Highland Park ended up winning that state championship by beating Denton Ryan in the semifinals. Uh, but they took out two Denton Ryan quarterbacks in that game. So ultimately at the end of the game with Denton Ryan 
driving for the win. They were with their third-string quarterback. He threw an interception. Highland Park goes on to win the, the state championship. That probably should have been Denton Ryan's state championship. And uh, they haven't really shown like they're 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 fall they've fallen off much. Of course, they've got their quarterback back. Uh, where, where Spencer Sanders? Spencer Sanders yes. was the guy last year, um, and this is a team that in, in the postseason has performed very well. I mean, blew away North Richland Hills Birdville forty-two to seventeen, crushed Fort Worth Brewer last week forty-nine to six. Not probably name brand, not as much name brand teams as Monterey. This will probably be their toughest challenge, but they haven't shown any weaknesses in in uh, the postseason and in sort of a com. Uh, a common connection to Monterey. Denton Ryan in district play beat Ryder 56 to 7. Coronado struggled with Ryder. Coronado beat the heck out of uh, Monterey when they met on the field, kind of in, in similar fashion where they, they got Monterey down early and, and Monterey wasn't able to come back in that one. And uh, we talked about it and we'll talk about it again. Uh, for Monterey, I think that the key is that they just start fast because that, that's the team they are they're at their best when they start fast and and they've been fortunate the past two weeks that that's happened they're gonna need that to happen again uh this week definitely yeah i saw them uh you know put up some big numbers last week in the first quarter 21 and un- unanswered points um when you can get that done with any team that's just that much more beneficial for you down the line um what I loved at the end of my game, and, you know, this isn't exactly inside analysis. I, I enjoy the energy that comes with everything that we get to do and previewing and all that. And uh, at the end of the game, you know, I, I've never seen Hutch, uh, you know, yell or anything like that. But they were really excited, and he's like – I can't remember exactly what he said, but he looked at his boys, and he's like, you wanted this. You, you, wanted, this, you wanted this game. And he was referencing the Denton-Ryan game, that they wanted that – they wanted another shot at him, and now they're going to get it. So there was a lot of excitement coming on, or just everywhere uh, last week. Um, I, avoid, I myself avoided, you know, getting Kool-Aid or Gatorade dumped on me. <laughs> it was one of those situations where I was like, "Oh, I'm going to take myself out of this situation." Actually, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, by no means is is Coach Hutchinson stoic. He's got a lot of personality and and charisma, but it's very rare that he uh, he displays that. Oh, out was, in the open, great. he's he's kind of like uh, he's he's designed a lot like uh, at least personality wise like a like a college coach. You know, he just he oversees the operation and he's happy and he's put together a really good staff. Uh, so when he he gets emotion, it's one of those things like whoa, this is a big deal, and it is a big deal. You know, like we said, Coronado's been dying for a rematch with Heritage. Monterey's been dying for this one, and they've got it. Yep, they didn't have to wait long to do it either. They turned around and they immediately knew that they wanted at the beginning of the season. Obviously, you set out small goals here and there along the way, but you got to believe that this one was in back of their minds the entire time. You know, it all starts with the district, of course, uh, working out the bumps or the nooks and all that of uh, the regular season, and then you get to district. And uh, I think it was Brian Wood out in shallow water who kind of broke it down the best for me that in one season you're actually playing three. So you have your regular season, and then you have your district season, and then you have your playoff season. And in each, each, at the end of each season, you're a better team than you were previously. And uh, I think that's the case here. You know, the first goal was probably that district championship, and now it's, it was to get back to this game where they can exact a little revenge. And maybe, you know, out here in Lubbock, they always talk about putting Lubbock on the map. 
and you know getting more attention i think that started happening more so last year Mm -hmm. but now that they've they're back at this game you got to believe that they're they're proving something Mm -hmm. out here at least for the kids in this area and we will pick these shows Wednesday on the Lone Star Varsity preview show, which airs on, on Facebook Live. So if you go to the Lone Star Varsity Facebook page around the hour of 7 p.m., we will be there uh, and we will predict these games. And there might be some surprises. Uh, there might not, and it might depend on what your definition of a surprise or not a surprise is. Uh, I think that these are two really impressive games. I, I wish I could be at both at the same time. Unfortunately... <laughs> They didn't schedule that way. Uh, well, we'll flip with Hutch and Parr for it next year so that they can get a little bit closer to us. That's right. Just be like, come on, guys, let's go to, let's go to Abilene and do a doubleheader. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got a good game. Uh, by the way, the Monterey Denton Ryan game will be uh, written by Adam Bodecker, who's a former Denton Record Chronicle guy, a Texas Tech graduate. He works for the North Texas uh, Athletics Department now, but he's coming out of retirement to do that game, and he's pretty excited about doing it. And I think you've got a good game, too. Uh, Seminole. 11-1 versus Bushland, 10-2, 7 p.m. Friday at Lowry Field. Both these, both these teams are on 10-plus uh, game winning streaks, 10 or more. Uh, Bushland dropped its first two of the season. They've won 10 straight. Seminoles returning to the scene of the crime where Lubbock High beat them in overtime the, the first week of the regular season. Yeah, another, another, uh, another opportunity to uh, right some wrongs <laughs> uh, this week. Um, it's funny when I, you look at Bushland out here in this area, we're a little bit more prone to seeing them, but I went back home for Thanksgiving and we talked a little football. Obviously Seminole is back in a, or is in Pecos's district. So mm-hmm. they wanted to check up on how they were doing. We're chit chatting and everybody had the same question for me. Uh, is Bushland any good? And I always said, you know, right off the back, I was like, well, if you're alive at this point of the year, yeah, you're good. But Bushland is one of those schools that has uh, good teams across the board. Uh, they bring a lot of good things all over the place, and uh, they're going to be very athletic and hard to beat. That's right. I mean, volleyball power, very good at basketball, good at country club and Olympic sports. I mean, it's it's the complete package over there. Now, Seminole, I think they've got the two name brand guys, uh, Reese Moore, tight end, defensive end, do-it-all kind of guy on the high school level. I think he's committed – well, he is committed to Texas. We know that. But I think yeah. that Texas thinks that he is going to play offensive tackle at the next level, which is, is so funny because he's – pretty athletic for the, for the high school level. I mean, he, he's not like very shifty or very fast, but he's got some athleticism and it, it's going to be kind of sad to, to see them uh, pack some weight on him and, and him probably lose that. But on the high school level, very talented tight end and defensive end and, and very athletic. And you got Kate Barnard who plays running back and linebacker committed to army and army wants him at linebacker, which I think, I think it's the right spot completely as it is with Reese Moore it's just sad to see the Moore's going to lose some of that athleticism uh going up against Bushland and uh Bushland is just one of those teams where have some talent but really what it's about is that they're disciplined they don't beat themselves yeah and that's big in this time of year uh especially in the playoffs you know it's very important obviously that you don't beat yourself but to be as disciplined as they are and bring what they do to the table it's going to be a tough game for Seminole. Now, what I like about Seminole, and I think is a huge upturn, is that they've played these close games where they just didn't give up. They refused to give up on any play, and they refused to give up a game after that Lubbock High loss. Um, you know, in this last game, I believe it was a blocked field goal or a block extra point. I'm not sure of all the details in this last game, but uh, the season's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, – 
they've proven that they want to they want to be there at that state championship game and uh, they've gone through quite a bit of things to get there i think it's very telling for barnard um he's kind of a do-it-all kind of guy mm-hmm. you know uh obviously he has this offer linebacker and he's a phenomenal linebacker but when they need him on offense they don't it, they definitely uh ask him to do some big things and he does uh there's other also uh, tons of other players that have stepped up uh all over the place but the Seminole team to me is just resilient and it, it's going to be tough i think uh this one's a toss-up for me when it comes down to it. Uh, I like Seminole, and I think Bushland is good. So it's going to be interesting to see where I land tomorrow on the show. The thing I want to see from from Seminole is them not to get in a position like last week. I think they had a 27-9 lead at, at the break, uh, didn't score in the second half, committed some turnovers mm-hmm. uh, in Iowa Park, and got opportunity after opportunity to, to get that game even or even get above the hump. Uh, ultimately, they lost 29-27. I think Seminole probably uh, learned from that game because that one a one-half effort isn't going to cut it unless you've hung 43 points on them like, like they did last week against uh, Dalhart. Speaking of Dalhart, a little bit of transitive property here. Dalhart belongs to Bushland's district. Dalhart lost to Bushland 51-0 compared to 43-6 against Seminole. But don't get too wrapped up in that because yeah. Seminole played their junior varsity team the second half against Dalhart and uh, I think lost 6-0. to So uh, just a couple of other things. We know we know this in Seminole, may not even know this, but having seen um, Estacado a whole bunch this season, Bushland beat Borgren Leveland, by about the same margins as Estacado. So we're talking about a really good football team here. And I think win or lose, if you lose, you go, well, that was a great football team. But if you win, sharpens you up for a, maybe a potential rematch against Sweetwater. That was the Region 1 championship game last year and a heck of a ball game when these two teams met in district play four weeks ago. Yeah, a really good game. Uh, I don't know why my mind diverted whenever you were talking about Estacado and all that. And I was like, man, Estacado Seminole would have been a good game. <laughs> it would have, yeah. Unfortunately, they're in different divisions. Yeah, they're in different. Divisions, but like that would have, but... yeah, that would have been, uh, that would have been a great game. My mind just went there for a second. Yeah, you're you're right. I, I would like to see that. Uh, maybe we can put together like a kickoff classic event and get those two teams together. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have, we're gonna sit down with all the coaches and we're gonna we're gonna break down some off season stuff and some regular season games that we could see. <laughs> yeah, like we'll promise we'll cover you if, if you play these guys. <laughs> no. Yeah, like you were saying, uh, two good teams that are coming together. Can't read too much into the differential of uh, some matchups sometimes. But playoff atmosphere, one and done. you got to believe that they're both going to dish out their best games here. Now there are two more games that we're, we're going to uh, go by really quickly before getting to our final anchor game. Lubbock Christian, McKinney Christian, that's an 11-1 team playing a 8-3 team, Lubbock. Christian being the better team record-wise. They're playing 6.30 p.m. Uh, Friday at McMurray University. Should be a really good game. Uh, and another situation where a Lubbock team's carrying the banner uh, on the TAPS level, which doesn't get enough love, probably doesn't get enough love from um, from the area because, you know, you're, you either are a Lubbock Christian family or you're not. Uh, but that's a good football team. We've seen them a couple of times. Uh, they're pretty hungry. They're used to the travel. I think I think this sets up pretty well for, for them. And, by the way, this is the regional championship game. They go to the state semifinals next week with a win. Yeah. Uh, where, do, where, where do you start with uh, this Trini- or this Lubbock Christian team? You know, 
the beginning of the year, uh, they they graduated a big senior class, so there definitely was a question mark as to what they would bring to the table. They start a freshman at quarterback. I believe it's Alex Slack, and he actually had a standout performance this last week. But they also had that senior leadership in Hunter Pintanillo mm-hmm. and you know Caden Rogers and just a whole bunch of players. So they, they, I think any questions surrounding the team have been kind of answered at this point of the year and that the Eagles are here to compete. They're going to compete, and they've fallen into a groove. Like They're in a good spot right now in terms of uh, on both sides of the ball. So this is going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Haven't lost to a private school all season, so, so why do it now? Uh, by the way, the Eagles are going to get a preview in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal that will come out in uh, Friday's edition, and I'll be at their game. Friday at McMurray University in Abilene. Uh, the other game, uh, before we before we dive into post-Stratford, this is a really good six-man game. It's uh, Borden County versus Garden City, and it depends on what what polls you look at, and there are a billion of them for, for six-man football. It really is. Uh, but the consensus is Borden County is the number two team in the state, regardless of division, whether they're Division One or Division Two, and that Garden City is number three. So obviously it's a game to get out to. Uh, especially if you love six-man football. And that game will be played at Forsan on uh, Saturday. Now, I'm, uh, I'm used to seeing – Sorry, that, that's Rankin. Rankin. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Rankin. I, I'm used to seeing Borden County do this, make these runs. You know, last year they went to the state championship and won it. Another team that we didn't know how, how they were going to perform, I think uh, just because uh, – uh, they graduated a large senior class too. Uh, I think a majority of their starters last year were seniors. But whenever you have the number two and number three team ranked in whatever poll you look at, you know you're about to see something special. Um, and this one, you know, six man's a different game, but I think, again, it boils down to turnovers on this because, especially with six man, it can get away from you really fast and you can be in a hole in a blink of an eye fighting back and you just got to make sure you play some sound football don't don't beat yourself you know like we were saying earlier because they do have the players to make it back to the state championship i think yeah we we have a history of uh going to uh cowboy stadium with with boarding county uh would like to do that again obviously Uh, that's a really good team and uh, i think they'll be in the coverage picture next week uh because neutral site with the, the two teams on the opposite side of the bracket, Happy and Ropes. Mm-hmm. Lowry Field makes a lot of sense for that game or somewhere in the area. I think last Leveland. year it was played at Leveland. Yeah, one, one of those venues. They'll be, they'll be close enough that we can get to that game. Okay, this one, the post-Antelopes, 9-3 and three <laughs> versus uh, Stratford, which is 11-1. Stratford, one of those classic, you know, smaller-sized West Texas schools always kind of dabbling around at this time of the season. Uh, and post took out New Deal 32 21. We thought post was pretty good going into the season. We thought they were really good when we saw how good Mike Ferguson was. He got lost for the year with a knee injury. Post dropped a couple of games. We kind of wrote them off and been like, oh, this is going to be 2 2A Division I's district now with uh, New Deal and Abernathy, Sundown, Floyd Data got out of that district. Mm-hmm. And it's post. Post bounce back. Octavius Jackson's having a phenomenal uh, year filling in for Ferguson. Surpassed the 1,000-yard mark last week, doing a great job. But here comes the real deal. And this, by the way, this game uh, being played uh, 7 p.m. Friday at Amarillo's Dick Bivens Stadium. This is a Stratford team 
that has hung 55 or more points in playoff wins against Floydata and Holly. Those teams came from good districts, were forged pretty good. They were the lower seeds, but like they, they definitely um, should have been used to a team the caliber of Stratford, but Stratford just showed what kind of caliber team it is. Uh, and the Stratford team hasn't been challenged really since October 20th when it played Panhandle in a district game. And by the way, Panhandle's still alive on the opposite side of the uh, Region 1 bracket. So this team is experienced. What are the keys to this one for post, which uh, I don't know. We, we don't know. I mean, like we've been saying that they're not as athletic as some of these teams. Maybe they are, but let's, let's just pretend they're not. What, are, what would be some of the keys to, to hang around with Stratford? So, and this is just kind of a little side note before we get into the keys, but when it comes to post, I would say one of their biggest strengths and what they bring to the table is a sound defense that knows how to execute. This team has had huge turnovers in the last four years where they lose their stars, and their defense is still very good. Their defense still is able to create some turnovers, and I think just that discipline that post brings is kind of one of its strengths because like you had mentioned they lost huge contributor on offense and defense uh, but next man up comes in takes a little while for them to get back on track but they beat a really good new deal team last week I uh I wouldn't have been surprised if that game had ended you know in favor of either team but man post just turning it on here in the in the playoffs you know <laughs> absolutely and and you're right and it, like let's say god forbid something happened to octavius jackson they've got a really good running back committee there mm-hmm. uh and just like when ferguson went down probably someone else to step up but i think one of the keys to this game is obviously staying healthy yeah and uh you know when Pittman came in for the coaches show he was showing us uh you know breaking down uh post's offense they don't stray from what they what they want to do mm-hmm. And that, that can be a strength, I think, for some teams, uh, not to panic and just continue to do what you do. Uh, they have, like you said, a good uh, stable of running backs out there. But when it comes to Stratford, it kind of looks like they're 50-50 with what they like to bring to the table. Uh, Cade McBride, a senior quarterback, he's at 1,017 yards and has, I believe, 12 touchdowns on the season. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that and then you have – Two running backs who are nearing a thousand, uh, senior uh, Shea Hess, and then you have. Ooh, I hope I, I hope I say this was right. Uh, Daniel DeCasas mm-hmm. uh, sitting at seven ninety five, and you know McBride have sitting at eight twenty eight. It just kind of shows how multiple that they it's a can. Lot of weapons. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot to shut down, and Post is going to have to shut down all of that. And it looks like it's a, it's going to come down to a pound and ground or. Yeah, a grinded out game because, uh, yeah, they just have a whole bunch of backs that can contribute. But to say, like, we could say the same against Post. This game uh, is probably going to be on the more uh, favored side for me just because I love ground and pound games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And uh, just another game, you're going to have to capitalize on your possessions because the clock's yes. going to move fast in this one with, with the running. I don't think that Stratford would stray to the air unless uh, Post shut down their running game. Yeah, you have to be able to, you know, make good things happen on offense. Um, you know, we, we said it and we'll probably keep saying it until we get to the state game, but um, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. If you have to keep punting the ball away, you put yourself in a bad position offensively to stay in it. And then as soon as you get into a hole, especially as a running team, as soon as you get into a hole, it's that much more difficult 
to churn out a win because that clock is running and you're still running the ball as well. Only six area teams remaining uh, from the South Plains area, but everyone is locked in a good game this week. We can't wait to, to get going more with the uh, live show uh, on Facebook Live. Our previews will come out on LoneStarVarsity.com and in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal on Friday and then again on Saturday. Uh, we've, we've got, obviously, Coronado Monterey playing on, on Saturday, so those previews come out that day. Uh, we've got, yeah, just we, we've got good articles coming out this week. We guarantee you that. I'm off Saturday. I might take a, a drive out. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, these games, uh, this time of year, you really can't beat it. The atmosphere is incredible. There's a little bit of bite in the air. It's going to be a lot of fun. We want to thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us on this podcast. Can't wait to see you on the live show. If it's already past Wednesday and you're getting around to this podcast, you can see the live show and who we picked on LoneStarVarsity.com's Facebook page, which is called LoneStarVarsity.com. Uh, I want to say that this show has been brought to you by the University Medical Center, powered by AJ Media. See you later this week.